AK with the stop, dirty on the Glock, kill a lot of ops, ride on the cop. AK with the stop, dirty on the Glock, kill a lot of ops, ride on the cops. Live by the code, die by the code, never been a hoe, bury me before I sell my soul. Before I sell my soul. Live by the code, die by the code, never been a hoe, bury me before I sell my soul. Before I sell my soul. AK with the stop, dirty on the Glock, kill a lot of ops, ride on the cop. AK with the stop, dirty on the Glock, kill a lot of ops. Ride on the cops. I was young, black and ashy, 42 khakis, red rag in my... What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We are back again. Episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Sam, what's good? What's good, world? Man, man, man. It's, uh, it's been a lot to go on. This is probably one of the first episodes that we can actually touch on everything, being college basketball, college football, NFL and NBA. So we'll start off by touching on the NBA, man. We've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, a scoring outburst from James Harden, which it's gained a lot of praise. We've seen a whole bunch of praise. Uh, we touched on this a little bit last year, but I've seen that it surfaced again that people are calling James Harden the best scorer since Jordan. Um, Biggest question is, why are his shooting woes so overlooked? Like, yes, he's pouring in massive amounts of points, but his shooting percentages have been god-awful. Why do you think that nobody's talking about that? I don't know. I can't figure it out. Um, He's getting an extreme pass that guys like Kobe never got. And he's, he's... having some way more inefficient nights than Kobe would have. Like, I look, I mean, 11 for 38 is just <laughs> crazy. Four for 20 from three. You shoot, I bet you, I bet you 16 or 17 of those threes were step backs. Yep. Like, I, it's one thing if you're shooting good shots and you're just not hitting tonight. Like, it's one thing if that's the case. But when you just forcing jumpers and like I mean, I know that people feel like that step back's a good shot for James Harden, but it's not if you're shooting four for twenty. I mean, you gotta be able to realize at some point with the style that he plays, he's gotta be able to realize at some point that okay, I'm not hitting tonight. So maybe I shouldn't shoot all these step back jumpers. Maybe I should like play within the flow of the game and get a catch and shoot three ball and wait for something to come to me as opposed to shooting a bunch of step backs. Like obviously he's doing a good job at getting to the line. I mean, he's always been one of the best at that. People hate that he flails around or whatever, but I mean, hey, if it gets me to the line, they give me two easy free throws. <laughs> I'm doing it every time. Flat out. And, I mean, he's shooting tw- – he shot 24 for 24 from the free throw line. To me, last night, that was the only impressive thing. I mean, that's very impressive. 24 for 24 from the line in one game, that's tough. That's yeah, that's that's a beautiful – that's a beautiful thing. That's very impressive. But as far as 11 for 38, that's horrible. And it's not it doesn't have anything to do with his abilities. It's just his style of play and and like I, I couldn't be a teammate on that team, bro. Especially when you got okay, James Harden shooting eleven for thirty-eight. And then Russ gonna shoot seven for thirty. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> like those your two guards, bro. Like, come on. 
somebody gotta somebody's gotta get other guys involved. Yeah, um, that's a huge issue as far as I'm concerned. That's the reason why I didn't like Russ going there. Now you've got two guys that are going to look for shots, like you said, Russ shooting 30 times, James Harden shooting 38. That means nobody's facilitating. Like, (laughs) they're not. It's like they're basically, oh, if I got the ball, I'm shooting. If he got the ball, he's shooting. That's just how how it's going. And I feel like, like you said, that's definitely difficult to be a teammate on that team. And it may not be at this particular moment, but come playoff time, those guys that y'all are going to need to step up, they're not going to because they're not going to be used to getting the shot attempts that they get in that they're getting in the playoffs because they're not getting any of them now. That and another thing is people don't take into account that hoops are a rhythm game. Yes, so most when you definitely. Playing, you playing with guy two guys like that that's iso iso iso. You don't know when the hell you're going to touch the ball. You don't know where your shots are going to come from. You don't know when they're going to come. Like, it, it's just hard. It's hard to hoop like that. You got to be a very strong mental person. Like, I'm talking about, like, on another level. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to hoop like that. I can't hoop like that. Just stand in the corner or stand on the wing for – you might get a shot in the first minute of the game, not shoot it again until the third quarter. <laughs> like, But they I, still expecting you to give you all and every other aspect of the game. It's hard to – put. I can't play like that. I personally am a rhythm hooper. The more I'm in the game, like even if I got a bummy defensive matchup, like if I'm not engaged somewhat on defense, I'm not even as good of a player as I can be because the more engaged in the game I am, the better of a player I am. So I know that it's at least some guys in the NBA like that. We talk about all the time that the NBA has every personality that your reg- that your local rec center has. Exactly, they're just a high. They're just like better. That. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I just don't see how those guys like PJ Tucker do it. Like Capella, he it's a little easier for him because he can go get a board and get a shot. Not saying those other guys can't get rebounds, but that's major. Mate, what Capella does most. Yeah, of the that's time. basically his production. But he was nine for nine yesterday. He's got to get some more touches. Yeah, they've got to find a way. Even if it's, I don't, I, I don't, I don't mind James Harden shooting the ball. But like you said, him and Russ both having thirty plus attempts, and and, and combined, they're not hitting twenty of those. Right. This not only are they shooting that many times, but they're not hitting, and you can guarantee that it's not coming in the flow of the offense at all because they don't have much of that. So I mean, if James Harden is to shoot the ball thirty eight times, and and I guess not be on Russ can't take it upon himself to be like all right well he not really hitting tonight so I gotta go out here and carry the load no that don't mean you shoot the ball 30 times that means you figure out what the team needs in order to be successful which is okay if I get the ball let me Capella look like he having a good a good game he ain't missed nothing yet so let's go let's go pick and roll let's get him involved let's throw up some lobs to him let's figure out a way to bring another dimension dimension of the offense out because me shooting 30 times ain't going to help us either. They ended up losing that game, right? Yeah, they lost. Yeah, exactly, to the Spurs. Like, I mean, I understand that y'all went to OT and, yeah, it was a close game, but regardless, with somebody, with two players of that caliber shooting the ball that many times, y'all shouldn't have lost that game. I'm sorry. And we can't. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
uh, it would be a totally different story, like you said, if they're getting it in the flow of the offense and you're just not hitting your shot today. That's one thing. But to to just be going ISO and shooting step backs, like twenty threes, I feel like you only shoot that many threes if you hitting, bro. Like you you don't got no business shooting twenty three balls and you ain't hitting, bro. Kobe shot twenty three, twenty something threes the game that he scored eighty one. You don't see twenty something attempts from three with that many misses that often. Like that shit don't happen. Nah. Steph don't even shoot the ball that many times from three. Unless he hit, yeah, him. Steph got to be nice. going crazy. Like he's he's going like you can tell from tip off. You get a couple of looks from three, and them bitches looking good or feeling good coming off your hand. Yeah, I'm gonna light this bitch up tonight. But you don't yeah, just he, continue to do that shit when you know you're struggling. And I'm not saying you don't completely abandon the three altogether, but like I said, the step back threes, those when you're having a night where you're not hitting, those aren't the shots that you look for, man. You don't. You don't shoot those when you're struggling like that. But, I mean, when you still got people out here saying 50 points is 50 points. And, like, I don't agree with that at all. Because James Harden just had a 60-point night like a week or two ago. He was 18 for 24. That's impressive. That that's, Them the type of nights that you need to have if you're going to go for 50. Like, you don't got no business going for 50 and you only hit 11 shots. Because that means you out there chucking. Fact. This, I'm going to sound like an old head right now, but social media has made it way more acceptable for people to have a low level of knowledge or IQ when it comes to anything in this particular instance, basketball, because like you said, you're not the only one I'm seeing it too. 50 points is 50 points. He went for 50. I don't care how many times he shot the ball. He went for 50 and niggas is still praising it. Like it's, this is acceptable. Like anybody with a conscious basketball mind knows that this is an issue. This isn't something to be praised. This is, it, what is going on there? Like this nigga shot the ball thirty eight times last night and and shot as bad as he did. Niggas not worried about the fifty points. Niggas is worried about the shot attempts and the shots made like that. And, and to me, like I'm still stuck on the biggest issue was how the shots come. To yes, because everybody's going to have an off night regardless of who you are. Exactly, you're going to have a night where you might go eleven for thirty eight. But in well, nah, not eleven for thirty eight because <laughs> you're not going to shoot that many times if you're not throwing up bad shots. The only and time then, you see something, uh, a, a instance like this, is like Jordan in a must win situation. Yeah, like Game Six or Game Seven. Yeah, I know I gotta force the issue, regardless if it's fall or not. I gotta do this. It's a fucking regular season game. What what are you doing? And. Yeah, when when you're struggling, I always was taught that you're supposed to get the easy buckets when you're struggling, you know. But I mean, hey, D'Antoni wants him to chuck it, so I I know James Harden. He ain't always play like this, but I know he loves it though. It, like, there's no way you don't as a hooper. Like I got only a bro, the ultimate green I, light at the biggest level of of the game. Like I've never. I think the most shots I've ever taken in the game. I don't think I've ever taken. 20 shots in a real reg like a real basketball game. I don't think I've ever taken 20 shots in a game. Not that I can document. Maybe in the AAU game, maybe. Because I don't get all I don't got all those stats, but I don't think I've ever shot 20 times in the game. I would love 
at any level to get 38 shots. Give me 38 shots flat out. <laughs> Just once, bro. Like, I know James Harden love it. I know he did. It kind of makes you wonder, like, what happens if they do go away from Dan Tony and put him into another system? Just how effective is he going to be? Now, that's not to say that James Harden is a phenomenal player because he is. I feel like he can play in a bunch of different systems. But you got to think that it's going to be difficult for him to adjust back to playing that type of basketball after he's been playing all this time with the ultimate green light. Like, I feel like that's going to be a little difficult for him. Another thing that's bad about this Rockets team, which it was like this for them last year too, is anytime James Harden doesn't have the ball, he doesn't even participate in the offense at all. Like he's just standing or like walking back towards half court, like kind of like getting back. Like he doesn't participate in the offense at all. And I think that that's just has a lot to do with him being used to that D'Antoni system too. I don't think that – I mean, if they go away from D'Antoni, I don't think it would take long for Harden to adjust. Um, I think he would just have to get used to – just not having the damn ball all the time. I think that's going to be hard for him. I don't think – I'm. that's not to say he's not going to be effective because I think that he will. But I just think that it's going to be – having the ball in your hands 24-7 and playing a lot of ISO for this amount of years, it's going to take some time for you to just get into a flow of the offense and when you get the ball to not stop it. Like if you play in a system to where it's not tailored towards you stopping the ball and ISO in the entire uh, possession – it's going to be hard for him to get back to, you know, moving a ball and moving without the ball and this, this, and that, that. Because like you said, I mean, there's numerous occasions where you see James Harden not engaged in the offense if you don't got the ball. And that's not, that's not, a, that's not becoming of a player of his caliber. No, because you need him to at least, even when you don't have the ball, you still. He's a factor. He's a factor. The defense has to react to you. He's probably more of a factor without the ball than he is, especially with a player like Russ on your team. You can't help off James Harden. If he gets a catch-and-shoot three, that's probably one of the easiest shots for him. He's shown time and time again he can do that. Nick Wright used to say that that was one of Chris Paul's biggest complaints about playing with James Harden is that he said it seemed like um, James Harden was trying to sabotage the offense. When he don't got the ball. (laughs) Yeah, like – he was like it was making it twice as hard on Chris Paul to create for everybody else because James Harden is literally just not participating in that shit. I mean, uh, but Harden definitely because I mean the Rockets before D'Antoni got there he wasn't playing like this. He still was getting buckets, but he wasn't playing like holding the ball like he like one game didn't he take like five hundred plus dribbles in the game last year? Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like. He he's it's different. It's weird. It's not basketball to me personally. I don't think that it's good for the game at all. But I mean, that's how Dan Tony coached, and he took it up a notch with James Harden. So I mean, I guess this is something we got to live with. But I just don't like that. I'm seeing a lot of the younger kids, not kids, but like the younger guys, like the guys that's just getting out of high school and whatnot. They they just love this type of shit. Yeah, and it, it it's bad for the game of basketball because the fact that we're not holding him accountable for having that many shot attempts is showing the the youth that's actually growing up and playing basketball that this is okay. If I go for fifty, I don't. It don't matter how many times I shot. I still have fifty. That's which. What's so crazy about it is though, like that's what's so crazy about basketball is. 
on one hand, that's true. Like, as a shooter, we both can attest to this. You're always taught to keep shooting. Yeah, regardless. Regardless. Miss a couple, you still let them fly. We also both know that it's a thin line. Like, it's that's that's just to keep your confidence up. It don't mean just keep chucking and settling for the jumper and just keep throwing it up and throwing it up and throwing it up. That's just something that your coach says to you just to keep you engaged and not to get down on yourself. Yeah, really. and and my coaches have always been the type that they all, they've only said that statement, keep shooting, if I'm getting good looks. Like right. the looks that I'm getting, if they're just not falling, they're in my ear, keep shooting, keep shooting. They gonna, it's going to fall, it's going to fall. But let me take some possessions to where I'm shooting the ball and I know good and damn well this is not a good shot, but I'm still going to let it fly. My coach going to pull me to the side. Nah, we're not, that's not what we're doing. We're not doing it. And that... I feel like is uh, I hope that that's what coaches are doing out here with these young guys and not letting them believe that James Harden going for 50 on this amount of shots with this amount of misses is the thing to do. Like, I, I hope that these young guys are getting taught that that's not the way to play the game. Because like you said, we grew up with seeing this. We grew up with seeing Kobe do this, but never did we see a game where Kobe – shot god awful like this and nobody held him accountable regardless of how he finished you always <laughs> whether it was espn or whoever you always saw a graphic of the the shots that were missed and the percentage and all of this stuff like you always heard it like you just did and it's to me it's much more unacceptable for james harton to do it than when kobe did it because this NBA that you're playing in now is nothing like what Kobe was playing in. Meaning, if Kobe played in this NBA, Kobe's not fucking shooting the ball that many times. He's getting to the line. Like, James Harden had 24 for 24. Yeah, okay, well, if I'm going 24 for 24 from the line, you better believe I'm not shooting no threes. I'm back to the basket shooting post fades. And if I go to the line that many times, that's going to get my jumper going. That doesn't mean that I'm going to take a whole bunch of contested three balls. That means I'm going to take some comfortable shots. Let's get to the mid-range. Let's pull up. If I got to drive to the basket, if I'm getting foul calls as often as I am, why am I shooting threes? I'm going to the cup every time. I get it if they're going to blow the whistle the way that they do for James Harden. And that, to me, is what's most unacceptable about this, is that you know that they're going to call foul after foul after foul for you. It's been shown you, you're 24 for 24 from the free throw line on the night. He's so, already shot 293 free throws this year. I mean, come on. That's that's point proven right there that there's no reason for you taking 24, 23s. Why are you doing that? Get to the cup. That 50-point game can easily become a 60, 70-point game. You go into the line like that. Get aggressive and start attacking the basket. Stop taking them bullshit step-back threes when it's not falling. I'm not saying don't take them at all, but on a night like last night, why? What are you doing it for? That don't even make sense. But I don't know. I don't want to do James Harden for too long, but I I feel like that be touched on, man. That's something that I feel like a lot of people are not shining enough light on is that the shooting percentage. But – Let's let's move switch gears and talk about another NBA player, man. Um, 
it's been said once again that there are issues with Kyrie and the current ball club that he is with being Brooklyn. Um, the record is better without Kyrie than it is with Kyrie. Um, that's been seem that has seemed to be the norm the last few years with Kyrie. Um, but even deeper than that, they're saying that there are um, personality issues once again. So. It, it leads you to believe that there's really a bigger issue there. Is Kyrie really a cancer, do you believe? I mean, it's the facts are starting to line up overwhelmingly not in his favor. Um, I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on. All we can go off of is what's being reported. And, I mean, from the way it looks, it, it looks like Kyrie's not a very good teammate at all. Um <sighs> They say that he goes – well, Boston said that he would show up one day and be great, and then the next practice he show up and won't talk to nobody. Won't oh, talk to nobody gosh. For like two weeks, won't talk to nobody. Like, he just – I don't know. Kyrie, when you hear him speak, you can tell he's got a little odd personality. So maybe he's just not real comfortable being around all those people that he's, he doesn't really know like that maybe. Maybe he. Won't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I mean, he is starting to seem like Kyrie's just not a good teammate. I mean, three it's it's games. so. I feel like it's so difficult, like especially coming from me, man. I've been on record saying time after time that Kyrie's my favorite player. He's one of my favorite players. He's been that way for a while. Him and Kevin Durant. Since Kobe's gone out the league, I've been adamant about that, and. To see this occurring time after time again, I'm not going to lie. It's made me look at him in a different light. Like, I don't – I love watching Kyrie play. I do. But me being the basketball fan that I am and have the love that I have for the game, I can't lie. It's making me dislike him as a player just off the strength of continuing to hear – that he's not a good teammate. And it's not it's not that it's like anybody's coming forward and saying he's not a good teammate. It's just these reoccurring instances that are showing that he's not that good of a teammate. And I understand having personality issues. I do. But when you're a player of that caliber and you're the if you move the way that he's moving, meaning I want to be the face of the franchise. I want to be that guy. That's the whole reason why he decided he wanted to leave LeBron is because he felt like he wanted to have his own show. You can't put yourself in that light. And then when it's time for you to actually step up and be the guy that they need you to be, as far as personality is concerned, that you shut down. It doesn't work that way. You can't ask to be the man, but only want to be the man like on the court. It's deeper than that. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be the guy, you have to be a leader. And as a point guard, more than anything – that's one of the biggest traits that you have to have. You got to be a leader, and especially at that level in the NBA. And just seeing the constant issues that are arising with him, man, it's like it's made me step back and view it from a different standpoint. Like, damn, I rock with Kyrie, but I don't rock with him like I used to. I don't. It's just difficult. Like, it, it's – I don't know. You can't even really say, like, what is it? It's just – I don't know. Like, there's not, there are no, there's no correlation between the ball clubs that he's been on 
that could allow you to think that ah, it got to be something deeper than that. Like, it, I don't know what else it could be outside of just his personality. Is he that type of person? It's got to be. I mean, because, I mean, you had it wasn't just one team that you had issues with. You had an issue with LeBron. You didn't mm-hmm. like it there, so you go to Boston. And then there's issues in Boston. They they go to the Eastern Conference Finals without you, and then you show up the next year, and you, y'all are basically ass. And then you go to you go to the Nets, which was a playoff team the year before with D'Angelo De- Russell. You're better than him. They get you, and they take a yeah. step back. Yeah, like it, it's just, and then two weeks into the season, it's already it was already rumblings that uh, Kyrie's. Kyrie's an odd guy, and he, there's problems. There's already problems with Kyrie's personality in Brooklyn. Like goodness, like what is going on? I, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Um, hopefully, we get some more information, or maybe we hear from Kyrie. But damn, it just really don't look good for bro. Look, it doesn't, man. And the bad thing about it is they made this whole big old deal about it being a homecoming and all of this shit. So. If there's if there's anywhere that can make you brighten up and play better or become more of a leader or a more of a likable guy, you would think that it would be something like this. If you can't do it here, you can't do it anywhere. Simple as that. So, like you said, I'm anxious to see that maybe it'll turn out a little better. But as of right now, it just it don't look like it, man. It really don't. I'm hoping for the best because, I, like I said, I rock with Kyrie. He's still one of my favorite guys. He might not be the favorite guy anymore just off the strength of all of this, but he's still he's still a guy that I, I rock with. But, um, yeah, man, let's – let's uh, we had a pick-and-roll podcast poll of the week this week too, and I rock with it. I like it. This is what Sam came up with this one. And it was who was better at the age of 20, LeBron James or Luka? And I felt like it was a completely fair question. Um, just off the strip, we see what Luca's doing. Luca's taking the game by storm right now, and um, our listeners they sided with Luca. They said they uh said that they would believe that Luca would be is better at the age of twenty than LeBron was by a margin of fifty five percent to forty five percent. What's your take? Who who you who are you taking at the age of twenty? This shit is so tough for me, bro. <laughs> like I've been going back and forth since I made it. I really, I really, really don't know for sure. But since I've been leaning with LeBron the whole time, I'm gonna say LeBron. Um, I just think that look, uh, Luca is the his production is definitely better. I mean, you can't deny that. All you have to do is look up the numbers for that. But I still think that LeBron athleticism mm-hmm. still made him an overall better player, even though Luka is way more skilled than LeBron was at 20. I don't even think that you could even compare their skill sets as far as their actual basketball skills but that they bring to the table. I don't think it's comparable. I, I think that uh, Luka does everything better than LeBron besides pass and defense. Pass. Mm-hmm. It, like, even rebound. I mean, I LeBron was more athletic, but Luca averaging ten boards, can't jump Luke's at all. Had eighteen last night. Like he's, I mean, I 
Yeah, I, I think I'm a link. I'm gonna go with LeBron because because of the IQ and he was just a freakish athlete, and it, it allowed him to do things on the court that Lucas still, with all the skills, he just wasn't a, he wouldn't be able to do. And I, yeah, that, I'm, I'm I'm going with LeBron, but it, it's very hard. It was very hard for me. Man, it was tough for me too. Like you said, I bounced back and forth for a while too, weighing out the pros and cons of both, and the deciding factor for me was the NBA that Luca plays in at the age of 20. Yeah. If LeBron played in this NBA, we would be even more amazed than we were at LeBron at the age of 20. And that's hard to believe because the 20-year-old LeBron that we saw at that time was mind-blowing. So can you imagine him playing in the NBA with his athleticism, with his IQ, with his passing skills at the age of 20 without anybody being able to touch him? Man, his numbers would be stupid. And this is coming from a guy who's received criticism as being a LeBron hater. I got to side with LeBron off the strength of that. Now, like you said, if we're talking skill for skill at the age of 20, Luka's got the total package. There's nothing that Luka can't do out on that court. So from that standpoint, I, w- I would rock with him. But just off of a pure who I believe is better at the age of 20, I'm going to go with LeBron because I don't think I've ever in my life seen a 20-year-old with the IQ that LeBron has had. No. Like, that was unmatched. Like, the shit was ridiculous just to watch. Like, Nobody that young should be that smart. Like, it was ridiculous to watch. And for that reason alone, I got to side with Braun. And like I said, the, the pretty pretty much the deciding factor was that the, the NBA that they both play in. Like, like uh, Luca said, it's way easier to score over here than it is overseas. And I believe that 100%. I, and I don't think that was coming from a cocky standpoint. Like, I can score whenever I want to. I think it was coming from a, if they can't touch me, I can, like, it's really that. It's easier over here. And that that statement alone summed it up for me. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's way easier. And it's way easier than it was when LeBron was 20. So, yeah, I, I'm siding with LeBron, but it's uh it's only because of the NBA. Uh, different the difference of uh, the difference of defense in the NBA between the two. So, yeah, that uh, I felt like that was a good one. Our listeners they they had a, a fun time debating that too. Um, yeah, man, that wraps it up for the NBA. Let's talk uh, college basketball now, man. <sighs> we talked all that shit about Kentucky losing the fucking Evansville. And <laughs> our Blue Devils fucked around, turned around, and did the same shit. Lost in Cameron to Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> we, we, I guess we talked about UK for a little bit. We got to touch on this Duke team, man. Is there cause for concern after that loss? I don't think it's cause for concern. Um, but it was extremely disappointing, especially the way we lost to. Oh my god! Like how <laughs> do you do that? Like that that L is things. Um, but 
I mean, that, that non-conference winning streak had to come to an end eventually. I just didn't think it was going to come but, to an end against them. Yeah, it, it, it's That's no slight, though, because Stephen F. Austin makes the tournament damn near every year, but still. That, yeah, that's a bad loss. Well, it's a bad loss right now. Yeah. It may not end up being one, but I think that we already talked about this, about this Duke team. It's going to be some growing pains. It's going to be some nights like that where they just can't get right, can't do nothing right, can't hit a shot. But I think our defense and our potential is going, going to keep us keep us where we need to be. I, I don't think that that loss is going to linger around. I mean, we already we pulled off a um, big dub yesterday, so I, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I uh, I didn't think it was cause for concern. I think that it pretty much just drove home the point that everybody knew. This Duke team is really young. If they have a game where they don't shoot the ball well and they can't get Vernon Carey really established like they really want to, then they're in jeopardy of losing. And that's exactly what happened. There were possessions where Vernon Carey really looked like I can dominate this game. But then there were other uh, freshman moments where he touched the ball and panicked a little bit. Like he didn't know exactly what to do with it down there and didn't make it any better that the guys around him couldn't produce at all either. Now to me, the biggest cause for concern wasn't even a win or a loss. The biggest cause for concern was Cassius Stanley going down um, in the Winthrop game. That to me was like, Damn, like it hurt. I felt like it hurt. But more than anything, it turned out to be a blessing thus far because it's made Joey Baker step up into a light and he's actually taken that that role and ran with it, which is what this Duke team was missing. We were missing a shooter desperately. And, right. and he's stepped into that role and shown that he can be that guy, not only in the Winthrop game, um, he actually did it. He had a career-high Winthrop game um, and then came out against Michigan State and showed that it doesn't matter the level of competition. I can still produce. And I felt like getting that win against a Michigan State team um, was huge for a team like Duke because it just it went to show that they really can be a good ball club and they can beat other teams. Like I felt like that that win against Kansas was kind of slighted because everybody gave Kansas a pass. It's the first game, first major game of the season. Uh, they turn the ball over. Everybody's going to turn the ball over, but they probably won't have any many more games where they turn the ball over the way that they did. And people kind of brushed Duke off for getting that win. It was almost like people said Kansas gave them that win. So going out against Michigan State last night at Michigan State showed – a lot of people that this Duke team is really as good as people are saying they are defensively. Um, big nod to Trey Jones because last year Cassius Winston had his number. Yeah, I know he remembered that. You know it, and you could tell from the tip off that he took that match up to heart. I'm talking about soon as Cassius Winston gave up the ball, he was not touching it again. Chest to chest, denying the ball, and when he did touch the ball. Trey Jones really treated him like a guy that's not – like he didn't treat him – he didn't look as if he's a guy that's one of the best point guards in the nation. He looked like a guy that was outmatched. And Trey Jones, you can tell, took that took that matchup to heart and said, I'm not going to let him kill me like this. You go out and look at the statistics from last night, 
I guarantee, I will say majority of the made buckets that Cassius Winston had did not come from Trey Jones guarding him. And I saw that from watching the game. Anytime that Trey Jones was not on him, he was super aggressive in attacking the basket. When Trey Jones was on him, he couldn't score. He was not as effective as I expected him to be. And like I said, big nod to him, but even bigger than that, Vernon Carey took that step last night too and showing that he can really be the focal point of this offense. Um, And, yeah, I'm excited to see where this team goes. I still do believe that we'll take our lumps. We're going to lose some games. We'll We'll lose a lot more games than a lot of people expect us to, especially when it gets to conference play because this this is going to be a, a very competitive ACC year. There's nobody that stands out as the best team in the ACC. There's a lot of talent. You got teams like um, uh, Louisville, who's currently number one. Um, obviously, Carolina, you just you never know with them. Uh, Virginia, it's a, a bunch of uh, good teams. You saw Virginia Tech, who Duke plays uh, here soon, beat Michigan State as well. So, there's a lot of talent in that ACC, and I'm excited to see where it goes. But, uh, yeah, I think that Duke will be all I think we'll be fine. So, uh, I guess, like I said, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent everywhere. We've seen so much chaos this year. Like, nobody's held that number one spot for that long. I believe Duke held it the longest. Um what uh what do you make of all the shuffling that we've seen with the polls? I know for me, what I make of it is I get excited because that means come March Madness time, come tourney time, we're going to get probably one of the most entertaining tournaments that we've had in a long time because you just never know this year. That's that's what it makes for me. What does it the shuffling mean for you of everybody just being shifted around? Like we saw a team in Michigan go from not being ranked to number four like that's insane like what do you make of all of this this movement um i just think it goes to um drive home the point that we talked about last time we talked about college basketball um there there is no no surefire best team in the country right now and like you said i think that makes for a spectacular march um I, I can't wait either. I, we didn't get very many upsets last year. We got a huge one, but we didn't get very many up. Well, in the first round or two rounds, first two rounds, we didn't get very many upsets. We saw the 16 beat the one. Was that last year? Yeah. Yeah, we saw the 16 beat the one. No, nah, that was two years ago. Was it? Nah, two years ago was the 15 and the two. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Virginia won it all last year, right? Uh-huh. No, two years ago. Two years ago. And then they got beat the year after year. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, they um, nah, bro, they won it all last year. They got put out two years ago. UVA did. Yeah. Man, they did win it last year, huh? Yeah, so they got put out two years ago. So yeah, last year we didn't see very many upsets at all. It was pretty much chalk. The bracket was until we saw some upsets in like the Sweet Sixteen, like a little four over to one or something like that. But we ain't seen no big heavy upsets really last year. So I think this year is going to be way more interesting because when the the um the big name teams aren't as dominant, that makes for um, the mid major teams gives them a chance to actually make a run at some things. So that, I like it. Um, 
I just hope that my Blue Devils don't end up being one of those teams. Man, we better fucking not. I tell you what, if we end up as one of them ones or two seeds that get upset in the first round, I'm going to be pissed off, man. I'm still, I still haven't got, gotten over that Mercer loss. Every time I see that shit, I get upset. Man, every time I see number three hit the <laughs> on the highlights, I be ready to go crazy. <laughs> I hate that dude now, bro. I don't even remember his name. I don't either. Ooh, 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 <laughs> that shit boils my blood. And the bad thing about it is you see that shit down here every year around March. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a part of the regular <laughs> highlight reel now. I hate that shit. Bro. This shit is sick because they don't even got it. They don't even show the upset. They just show that nigga dancing, and we know what that shit is from. Like, yeah. man, that, that shit still pisses me off, man. The Lehigh one don't sting that much no more because now McCollum, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's made a name for himself in the league, and they only know that that guy was just somebody different. He wasn't just having a good night. I can't name not one player off that Mercer roster. Not one. I don't remember anybody <laughs> except for number three. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, man, that's it. But let's uh, let's talk about Michigan, man. How good do you think Michigan is? You think they're a really good ball club? Um, I will admit that I haven't seen them play. I didn't get to watch them in the Louisville game either. But um, I did look at their roster, and I do see that they still have uh, Simpson. And he uh, was out there looking real good last night. Yeah, so, I mean, just off of those two names alone, that makes for a good college basketball team to have a veteran point guard and a veteran big man. That's huge. Um, So, I mean, just off of that. And Tesk can hit the three, too. So, yeah, I I would say that, like I said, I haven't seen them play, so I can't say how good they are. But, I mean, like – I would say that they're still a pretty good team. They would be around. They'll, I'm not going to say that they would be like one of the top five teams all year, but they'll be a team that that we'll definitely know know about and be talking about all year. Michigan, to me, Michigan's a really good ball club. I almost felt like it was disrespectful for them not to be ranked to start the season off. Like that, that to me was insane. Now, um, they they have the makings of being a very good ball club, but Deeper than them being a really good ball club, Jawan Howard is a really good coach, like a really good coach. That's damn, I forgot he coached them now. Yeah, and I forgot about that. I'm gonna have to check that. I gotta watch their next game. I watched Jawan Howard coach them. I've watched them twice this year. I watched them earlier this year when they beat Michigan State, and I watched them last night against Louisville. And I love what he's got that ball club doing. They he brought back. You can tell that he's he's brought back that fire in Michigan. Like there's no drop off and and the coaching change or anything of that nature. They are still a really good ball club, and he's a really good coach. So I think Michigan's going to be one of those teams that's around for a while. Like you said, I believe end of the season they'll be looking at a one or two seed. That's how good of a ball club they are. Um, I'm not. I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the uh, the, the Big Ten this year. I, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh definitely be it's gonna be a tough fight between them Michigan State and Ohio State, but I think that they've got the talent and the coaching to be able to come out on top. They they've got that talent that left talent this year. So um, for those who haven't uh, like Sam, if you haven't watched Michigan this year, definitely check them out. It's a fun ball club to watch, most definitely. But um yeah let's let's uh let's switch gears to touch on some NFL real quick man. The Ravens have been 
what I have called as the giant slayers. It seems like every major opponent that you put up against them, they've been they've come out on top. Uh, we saw them knock off the undefeated Patriots, and last week we saw them beat the one-loss 49ers. Um, and they've done both of those in a deciding way to where they've actually looked like the better ball club out there. Um, there was a lot of talk after this game about a potential Super Bowl rematch between the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens, which was actually the first time that I've heard anybody bring up the Ravens in the Super Bowl conversation. Um, I guess, do you, do you think, how realistic are their Super Bowl chances? I think they got a pretty good chance. Um, I still think that the Patriots will end up coming out um, just because I just feel like Tom Brady going to be on some shit in the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, I think they got a real legit shot. I mean, they about to secure home field advantage, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that alone gives them a chance. They'll have a bye first round. Uh, I think they got a good shot, but I don't know that it'll happen. I well, don't know that- it depends oh, yeah. on what happens with uh I guess Chiefs yeah, the Chiefs the Chiefs and the uh I know the Chiefs play who's the Patriots this week. If the Chiefs mm-hmm. can come out on top, I would say that the Patriots I mean the uh the Ravens have a good chance of uh of having that overall um I guess number one seed in the playoffs, but I would say that their their Super Bowl chances are extremely likely because a lot of times I feel like regardless of if they come out on top as far as the number one seed or not, it still bodes well for them because, excuse me, the only other team that I can see coming out and being the number one seed is the Patriots. It's been an issue come playoff time that people can't go to Foxborough and win because it's so cold and nasty and it's just not the type of weather that teams thrive in. This Baltimore team, they play in cold weather. They play in nasty weather. That it it, it wouldn't hurt them to go to Foxborough. Like that that they come from that cold element as well. Granted, it may not be as cold, but I don't think that it'll be cold enough to affect the way that they play. So I think that their Super Bowl chances are, they're real. Like, it's real. Like, as far as the Ravens are concerned, to me, right now, they are the favorite to come out the AFC. Like Like you said, playoff time, we may think a little different, but... There's a lot that's got to go on in New England for it to change my mind. One of those things being those receivers that Tom Brady is playing with, they've got to show that they can win one-on-one matchups because that's the issue. People are loading up the box. Uh, The Patriots don't have any type of run game this year, and they're bringing a lot of pressure at Tom and making him get it out of his hands early. And they're shadowing Edelman. So he don't like there's nobody else for him to go to because nobody else can win them one-on-one matchups. Um that's going to have to change, but as of right now, I like the Ravens for for that reason and for the reason that they've got a guy on that defense and Earl Thomas 
who's already been to that Super Bowl. He's already been there. And he's that anchor to that defense. And he's already come out and made claims that they're going to the Super Bowl. So having a player like that in your locker room, it, it boosts everybody's um, confidence level. And not only that, you've got guys on the offense that you can just tell these guys love playing with each other. Period. There's a bond there that's just crazy. Mark Ingram, he's something else. Yeah, like the vibe that you get from him and Lamar, and it even trickles all the way down to Justin Tucker, like the kicker. Like it, they're the vibe that they have is infectious, and it seems to be the driving factor for them to be as as successful as they are. I mean, the the post game press conferences are completely like entertaining at all times, and they're just continuing to. I mean, there's there's no distractions, there's nothing. It's just a, a good ball club that's gelling, and they seem to be connected. So I would say that their Super Bowl chances are real. Uh, in this particular time, I would say that they probably their Super Bowl chances look better than anybody else's in the NFL. Yeah, they gotta be the whole the whole favorite. Yeah, you asked me you asked me last week or the week before last, I would have told you the 49ers, but after seeing what they did to San Fran, um <laughs> you gotta say them. I I'm the only other team that I would throw out there would be Seattle. Yeah, Seattle does look good. I hate it. <laughs> Y'all got them boys this week too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still we still in the hunt. Yeah, I saw that shit. We are. We got a chance, but man, y'all got to win. Yeah, y'all got to beat them this week. Then y'all got to turn around and lose to us next week. <laughs> <laughs> y'all ain't about to beat us. Y'all can't beat nobody with no good record. We're not losing no more for the rest of the season. Yeah, okay. You heard it here first, the pick and roll podcast. Nah, I'm not even confident. I didn't even sound <laughs> confident. As long as Jason Garrett is on that sideline, we got issues, man. But we're not gonna talk about that. We 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 just touched on the uh Patriots White House. Let's let's dive into that a little deeper, man. Do you think that they should reach back out to A B? Because I've seen a lot of people say um the Patriots need to take a, a deep thought into doing that. Do you think that that would be wise for them? I mean, it can't hurt. I don't see the problem. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> you already had your tiff with him. He's already apologized publicly. He said that he wants to be a different guy. You need a AB on your roster desperately right now. It changes the whole receiving court. Everything. Like, run some man-to-man against Tom Brady with AB if you want to. You're in trouble now. And not only is it going to do that, it's going to get other guys more comfortable. The reason why the Patriots have been so good the last few years is because they've been able to get their running backs going. They've been able to get the the run game to look halfway decent, and more importantly, they've been able to line up their running backs with linebackers and find favorable mismatches in the passing game. Well, this particular year, you can tell that teams are are switching up their approach in not having linebackers guard those running backs because those running backs are either having to pass protect because they're sending more linebackers, or if they do line them up, then they're being guarded by safeties, which are far more athletic than linebackers. So the only way to combat that is to get you a guy that can bust down that man-to-man coverage 
and make teams pay like badly. And AB's that guy. I don't. I. I don't know what the Patriots are waiting on. I would have had him on the line right after we lost last week. Soon as we yeah, lost to the game. Ravens, oh, I'm on the line. Oh, we lost to the Texans too. I'm definitely on the line. Come on, we need you. As long yeah. as you can keep them annex down, come on back. Flat out. And one year, sign for one year. What's I don't see the I don't see what what more could happen as far as you. As a ball club, it's not like he's gonna come and make your ball club worse because right now you're spiraling downwards. So it's time, but like it's time for them to to make that move, man. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Might as well do it. Ain't got nothing to lose. <laughs> I mean, I, I, simple as that. There's absolutely nothing to lose. But before we get out of here, man, let's touch on college football really quickly. Not really much to talk about, but. Biggest thing is that Bama went down last week for the second time this year. So it's looking as if this will be the first college football playoff ever without Alabama. That being said, who do you have penciled in for the college football playoff? In their spot or my whole four? All four. Um, I got Jaw, Clemson, LSU, and... Who am I going to throw in that four spot? I'm going to say Georgia. Yeah, that was my four. Uh, well, I didn't have Clemson in there, but I had Bama instead of Clemson. No, I didn't have Bama. I had somebody else, but I can't remember. But, yeah, UGA was my fourth team as well. That's who I got, too. Uh, same exact four that you have, mostly because I think Georgia's going to beat LSU. I think Georgia will beat LSU for the simple fact that LSU has shown that they can't stop the run. They can't, and that's what Georgia does best. So we'll touch on that a little later. But, yeah, my four would be Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia. Or Georgia and LSU because I think they'll give Georgia the higher seed because they'll be conference champions. So we could potentially be looking at a Joe Burrow versus Ohio State matchup in the first round. That would be dope. Yeah. But – uh. Yeah, man, it's crazy to see that Bama's not in the playoff this year. That's insane to me, but I predicted it last year. It didn't quite work out last year, but it happened this year. So I think that a lot of people, you know, who who despise Bama, they're definitely happy about that. But um, before we get out of here, let's do some pick'ems, man. Uh, Starting with the NFL, we got the 49ers at the Saints this week. Who you got? Mm, give me the Saints. I think the 49ers starting to show their true colors. Not saying they're not good, but they're not the best team in the NFL good. I think they'll end up going like 12 and 4. Yeah, I got the Saints as well. I think the deciding factor will be Jimmy G. Uh, he's a good quarterback, but he's not great enough to uh, lead them to beating, you know, these, these really good ball clubs. And we've seen Drew Brees have a, a – some some growing pains and getting back to being who he was. I think this is the week that he shows everybody, like, yeah, I'm still that guy. And they get the win. So I like the Saints as well. Uh, Chiefs at Patriots, who you got? Chiefs. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was on the fence about it. I didn't know which way I wanted to go. Um, 
crazy as it sounds, that Chiefs defense has been showing that they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Not only that, the Patriots offense is showing that they're not as good as people thought that they were because they can't beat the man coverage. This is going to come down to an outscore me game, and I don't think the Patriots have enough firepower to outscore the Chiefs, so I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Uh, I think they get the win in Foxborough. Um, college football, man. We got some rematches on tap. This one, not particularly a rematch, but this has huge playoff implications. You got Utah versus Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. Who you got? Oregon. Give me Utah. I've been rocking with Utah all year. That's who I had my other team. I had Utah in as my other team. Um, Oregon beat the shit out of us, and we beat Utah. That's why I picked Oregon. Yeah, well, watch what Utah show everybody. They're going to show everybody that that USC team can't beat them uh, again. I bet you that. We almost, man, we was only like. Uh, We went 8-4. We barely missed the conference championship. Give me. You said what? I can't hear you. You can hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what just happened, but you said what? I said we only missed the um, the conference championship just because Utah had if they would have if they would have lost one more game, we'd have been in because we had the tiebreaker. Yeah, well, that's not happening. That Utah team is showing that they're pretty good, so I like Utah in that matchup. I'm going Utah. I think it's a close match though. But I like Utah. I like their quarterback. I like what they're doing down there. Uh, Long loss is to y'all. So I think that they're pretty much uh, set up to make a move at the playoff. But I don't think that they get in just off the strength that um, other games are going to transpire. Ohio State, Wisconsin rematch. Who you got? Wisconsin. Don't say nothing stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just don't think that. Wisconsin's got quite enough to beat Ohio State. I mean, it that I feel like this would be a different game if that Wisconsin team showed that last game they could really play with Ohio State. Ohio State put up 52 on uh, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin scored seven points. They didn't show that they could score with Ohio State. And mind you, those were uh, not great conditions. It was wet. It was rainy. Now you play Ohio State, which you have not shown the ability that you can stop. Now you got them in a dome where all of that athleticism and speed that they have is going to become a track meet. I think that it's a little closer than last game, but I like Ohio State uh, by multiple scores. Um, Let's see. Oklahoma and Baylor. Who you got? Look at Oklahoma. I think they handle it this time pretty easily, like 10 points or so. They beat Baylor last time? Yeah, they came back and won. Uh, I'm going Oklahoma, too. I think that that was deflating, that they came back and beat them. I don't think that this Baylor team comes out with that same Mm-mm. energy. Like, we let we that one beat- get away, but we can beat these guys. I don't think they come out with that energy. I think that they – Oklahoma comes out with that energy like that shit shouldn't have been close the first time. Right now. So I'm taking Oklahoma in that one as well. Um, final game. LSU-UGA SEC championship. I need your pick and your score. Uh, 
I got Georgia. Um, I'm going to go 31-23. Damn, that was close to mine. Um, I'm going to go UGA 34-24. I think that LSU is a team that's shown that they can definitely put up points. But this UGA team has shown that they can run the ball anytime that they want to, except for against South Carolina and a lone loss. And this LSU team doesn't have a defense that can stop them. So I think that not only do they uh, dominate on the ground, they control the clock by running the ball. They're going to limit the possessions of LSU. So we won't see that offense just get out to a track meet. If they do, then the favor is in LSU's uh, court, or I guess things are in LSU's favor. But I don't believe that that's what's going to happen. I like UGA 34-24, as I said. Um, big game out of the run game, but even outside of that, I think Jake Fromm also shows us that he's still that guy. So that pretty much wraps it up, man. Is there anything you want to say to the folks before we got up out of here? No, that's it for me. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, my Bucks will go into the college football playoff as the number one overall seed. This will be, you know, uh, the future – NCAA champions. I don't really see uh, anybody in that four that can really bang with us. If we get LSU in the first round, that's going to be a tough matchup, but I think we can get them just because off the strength, once again, they can't stop the run. So I like my Buckeyes chances, man. You're looking at the tune in on Saturday and watch them against Wisconsin. You'll be looking at the future national champs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I want to end this episode by saying fire Jason Garrett. Signing out. It's your boy Ish. It's your boy Sam, man. We appreciate y'all. We out.